Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung, and unfortunately, this week, Los had a work conflict come up at the last minute. So good news and bad news time. Uh, The good news is you guys all get a shorter podcast to power through this week. But the bad news is you have to listen to basically me ramble on my own about all the week 12 matchups here. I will say, though, that one benefit of Los not being here tonight is that he doesn't get to gloat about winning both of our bets from last week. Uh, Number one, DeAndre Hopkins was a top 20 wide receiver, as he said, actually wide receiver 13 prior to the Monday night game. And Kirk Cousins was also a top 10 quarterback, in fact, the QB2 prior to tonight's game. But speaking of that Washington and New Orleans game, that brings us to our Gillette Close Shave of the Week. Rolling into this matchup on a red-hot seven-game win streak, the Saints took some hits early, trailing against the Redskins for just about the entire game. With the defense and the run game dominating the last few wins, things turned quickly when the Saints lost star rookie cornerback Marshawn Lattimore to an ankle injury, as well as pass rusher Alex Okafor to an Achilles injury. With his, excuse me, with his team trailing, quarterback Drew Brees picked up the slack, throwing for 385 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Brees led his team on multiple drives to tie up the score at the end of the game and eventually set up kicker Will Lutz for the game-winning field goal in overtime. Get your close shave like Drew Brees with Gillette, the best a man can get. Same grade blades, now for less. Pricing applies to select products and is at the sole discretion of the retailer. So this week is Thanksgiving week. We've got three Thursday games. And since Lois isn't here and I get to fill some time talking about just about whatever I want, uh, a quick disclaimer here. Uh, I'm a huge football fan, as you guys all know. Can't get enough. But all that said, I do miss games when I'm busy with other stuff going on. I'll go back and watch the film later. Uh, Of course, not as fun as watching the games live. But, you know, if you have a big sports family that loves to watch games together on Thanksgiving, that's great. I'm jealous, and you should totally do that. But if not, remember, spend some time with your loved ones this coming Thursday and or weekend. Now, it is Thanksgiving, time for family and lots and lots of food and pie. So with all that said, let's get to the previews. The first game on our Thursday slate is going to be Minnesota at Detroit at 1230. So remember, this game is early. So remember to set your lineups Wednesday night or Thursday morning. Uh, Find some time because you are going to miss quite a few games if you don't set your lineups until Sunday morning. Now, on the Minnesota side, Case Keenum has had 17 or more fantasy points now in three games. I have him as a low-end QB1 this week. Detroit's been playing well on defense, but the Lions aren't significantly scarier than the Rams, whom Keenum did fine against despite getting some yards after the catch help from his wide receivers. Now, at the running back position, we're still seeing a split workload between both Latavius Murray and Jarek McKinnon, but their roles have stabilized quite a bit. Both of these guys are going to be high-end flex plays or maybe even low-end RB2s this week. 
McKinnon has a high floor as the receiving back, but we are seeing Murray get all the goal line opportunities. Now they're splitting these run carry or these carries right about 50-50. So I do have Murray ranked higher this week. Uh, the tr- Detroit's run defense has struggled a bit as of late, and I am expecting this to be a pretty close game with lots of carries for both running backs. Interestingly enough, Vegas actually has this game as a pick'em right now without a clear favorite. Now, for the wide receivers, Adam Thielen seems to have overtaken Stephon Diggs as that number one wide receiver, at least based on the target share that they're getting from Keenum. Now, Thielen may garner Darius Slay's attention, or Slay might just stay on his side of the field with both of these wide receivers being pretty equally dangerous. I would actually rank Thielen as a high-end wide receiver two in this matchup, and Diggs as a high-end wide receiver three or flex play. And of course, Kyle Rudolph should be just fine, despite Detroit having limited tight ends this year. He's played very well, and Rudolph is getting consistent targets despite Diggs' return. He should be a fine low-end tight end one. On the Lions' side of the ball here, Matthew Stafford has been pretty solid the last four weeks since Detroit's bye. But the Vikings have been pretty tight on defense, despite them not scoring a ton in fantasy. uh, Their defense has been pretty good, having just limited the NFL's leading offense, the Rams, to just one touchdown. I have Stafford as a low on QB1, and I would actually consider starting Keenum over him. This should be a better matchup for Case Keenum, at least on paper. But certainly, if you have Stafford, I have no issues starting him either. As for the running backs, they actually gave Theo Riddick a few more carries this past week, and they worked Abdullah into the passing game, so not so much those set uh, roles in in the offense anymore. Um, I'd definitely be interested in seeing how these splits are going to shake out in the next couple of games. But if that remains the case, I have Abdullah as the preferred play this week. Uh, Minnesota, the run defense, is pretty tough, and I would have Abdullah as a low-end RB2 or high-end flex And then Riddick just as a boom or bust RB3 or flex play. Um, With him, you're really relying on those underneath catches and hoping that he breaks one or two uh, with some yards afterwards. Xavier Rhodes briefly left the Rams game with a calf injury, but he was able to return. Uh, I would expect him to be able to play this week, given that he returned last week. Um, And I would think he would match up on Marvin Jones. So I have downgraded Marvin Jones this week to a wide receiver three or flex play, even though he had a great touchdown last week against the Bears. Um, I actually prefer Golden Tate as a nice mid-level wide receiver, too. This is despite his lack of involvement against Chicago, but I think Tate should get plenty of targets with Galladay and Jones facing tougher coverage on the outside. And finally, I mentioned Eric Ebron last week as being more consistently involved in this Detroit offense. Um, but he's a high-end tight end two option this week with an okay floor. Um, he's been getting a few more consistent targets since their bye week. Uh, I think this will be a pretty close game as Vegas has it listed here, uh, but I will take Detroit. I think being at home will help them, and these two teams are both doing well right now. Uh, give me the lines on Thanksgiving. The next game here is going to be Thursday at 4.30. Uh, we have the L.A. Chargers against the Dallas Cowboys. And I like Phillip Rivers here a lot as a low-end QB1. Now, there's always a risk that Rivers gets shaken up by this pass rush and throws some picks, but I think he should find some success against the Cowboys secondary that's been playing better but still leaves much to be desired, especially without their middle linebacker, Sean Lee, covering that middle of the field. 
Now, it wasn't as big a week for Melvin Gordon as I envisioned against Buffalo this past week, but you're still happy with his production, and you're starting Gordon against Dallas. Uh, As for Keenan Allen, very sadly, in one league, I benched him where I had quote-unquote better options at the time with Demarius Thomas and Tyreek Hill, and I really needed a win. Um, I might go cry after I finish recording this, but... I just don't foresee another monster week like that for Keenan Allen against Dallas, but certainly you expect him to do well. Uh, He's a mid to high end wide receiver too, and what should be a solid matchup for him. And Dallas did a remarkable job covering Zach Ertz in their last matchup. So Hunter Henry uh, isn't a great option this week. Plus he hasn't been getting super consistent targets to begin with. He's still just a boomer bust tight end too. Um, We'll see if the rookie Mike Williams does a little bit better this week, but the rest of those wide receivers are splitting those targets so so much that really for fantasy, you can't rely on any of those guys. On the Dallas side, uh, Dak Prescott hasn't been playing great the last couple weeks. They've been missing Tyron Smith, uh, Zeke Elliott, and Sean Lee, but luckily for him, it sounds like left tackle Tyron Smith is expected to be back this week. Um, assuming that happens, it would be a huge upgrade for Prescott's pass protection, uh, and that would keep Dak in my low-range quarterback one ranks. Alfred Morris has actually played very well, even though Ezekiel Elliott's been suspended, but the Cowboys have fallen behind too much for them to really keep handing Morris the ball. However, I do think this game should be closer, and I would expect Dallas to stay in it or even have the lead. So I actually like Alfred Morris a lot as a mid-level RB2 with upside this week. Rod Smith right now, just a desperation play at this point. Um, he's getting a few targets in the, in the passing game, but really not enough to sustain production in fantasy. Des Bryant's been up and down, but he's been very heavily targeted in the passing game, and that should continue. Despite a good Chargers secondary with Casey Hayward covering, uh, Dez will be a low-end risk-reward wide receiver, too. On the other hand, Jason Witten's also been up and down, but in this case, I'd expect that Witten will be needed to continue to help block Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram on the outside. Um, I would think that even though Tyron Smith is back, they're still going to need help against two of the best pass rushers in the league right now. I just don't see a ton of catches for Witten in this game. Would probably look to avoid him in fantasy as just a mid-level tight end, too. You're basically hoping for a touchdown in the red zone. Um, With Tyron Smith back, uh, that is the assumption. Uh, I will take Dallas at home. Next game here is going to be the New York Giants at the Washington Redskins Thursday night at 8.30. So apparently uh, both Eli Manning and Evan Ingram gave speeches this past week to motivate their Giants. And apparently it worked, uh, but not for fantasy. Uh, Eli Manning was still pretty awful. And he's just a quarterback, too, against the Redskins. However, I would think Evan Ingram should bounce back nicely this week against a Washington defense that struggled to cover opposing tight ends all year. Uh, They even just gave up five catches for 91 yards to Kobe freaking Fleener. All right, uh, you're starting Evan Ingram. If you have him, he's just fine, still a top six tight end. And then for the passing game, it should help Eli as well that Sterling Shepard is expected to be back for this game. Um, He missed this past week's game with migraines, but um, according to reports, these headaches are not related to a concussion. So I would assume that he should be good to return this coming week. Assuming he plays, Shepard should be a mid-level wide receiver, too, and a good matchup. 
And then as far as the running back position goes, it's a neutral matchup, but Orleans Dark was a decent low-end RB2 here. He's averaged almost 17 carries per game since establishing himself as the clear lead back after their bye week, and he's a nice weekly volume play. For Washington here, uh, even though the Giants' defense wasn't in complete shambles and actually looked like an NFL team against the Chiefs, this is still a pretty good matchup for Kirk Cousins. He's a solid QB1 for me. And then we talked about Samaj P. Ryan last week as having RB2 upside with Rob Kelly out for the season. And right after we talked about that uh, in this past game, Chris Thompson is out now out with a broken fibula. He's done for the season. Samaj P. Ryan has RB1 upside. If he can become the workhorse here, he's been running the ball better despite his fumbling issues, and he should continue to dominate touches. P. Ryan was already handling the majority of carry, excuse me, carries over Chris Thompson. Uh, this role should continue, and he might even get a little bit more involved in a passing game with really only Byron Marshall behind him. And they just signed that running back from the Eagles practice squad last week. Now, we're definitely going to talk about P. Ryan more in the waiver wire section, but for this week, he's a mid to high end RB2, and he's got a huge ceiling if he becomes a true three, three down workhorse for the rest of the season. Uh, in terms of wide receivers, Terrell Pryor has been out with that ankle injury, and now he's gotten surgery on that ankle, so he's officially done for the year. But for fantasy purposes, you weren't starting him anyway. But really, this just opens up the opportunity for Josh Doxson. Both Doxson and Jameson Crowder should be locked in with plenty of targets and are both going to be low-end wide receiver twos this week and possibly going forward. Uh, again, we'll talk about these guys, too, on the waiver wire section. I mean, basically a lot of Redskins this week to discuss. And then finally, we're still uncertain about Jordan Reed's availability this week with the hamstring injury. It is a Thursday game, um, so it's still a quick turnaround here. But regardless, Vernon Davis should be a high-end tight end two if Jordan Reed does play, and still a low-end tight end one uh, with a lot of upside this week against the Giants, who have really struggled covering tight ends all year, just gave up a 100-yard gain to Travis Kelsey. Um, even though the New York Giants looked better this week, I am still definitely going to take the Washington Redskins at home in this NFC East showdown. The next game here is going to be Chicago at Philadelphia. Jordan Howard looked good, and he's always a tough runner and breaking those big runs occasionally. But this is going to be a tough game against a very good Eagles defensive line. Um, I expect the Bears to trail most of this game. So Howard is downgraded just a mid to high end RB2 this week. Uh, on the flip side, Tariq Cohen here seemed more involved in the game plan, and hopefully he should continue to be involved and catch some more passes against the Eagles here. He's definitely just a boom or bust flex play if you need him, but certainly the game script sets up well for them to need to throw a little bit more in this matchup. Dontrell Lemon still just a desperation wide receiver for uh, Deion Sims was out again due to illness, uh, which actually led to an Adam Shaheen touchdown and a few nice catches. But even though I like Shaheen's upside, he's still just a desperation tight end too right now, especially if Deion Sims returns this week from illness. Um, I would expect they would need Sims to play quite a few snaps as a better blocking tight end. That's all I've got on the Bears side. On the Eagles side, of course, you're starting a red-hot Carson Wentz, even though it took him almost a half to warm up against Dallas after their bye week. 
Um, and the run's defense, the, excuse me, the Bears' run defense has been adequate. Uh, but one, they're going to be missing Leonard Floyd. And two, I don't expect them to stop this offensive line of, of Philadelphia. Uh, really makes Jay Jai a nice high-end RB2 play. I like him a lot this week. And I also like Alshon Jeffrey in a quote-unquote revenge game. Uh, he should be a solid fantasy wide receiver, too. He's gotten an uptick in targets recently. Um, it seems like they're really developing that trust and rapport with Carson Wentz the last few weeks. Um, I like Jeffrey a lot. And then Nelson Aguilar was awful against the Cowboys, but he's still going to be that boomer bust flex play. Um, he's still going to be very involved in that game plan. And then, of course, Torrey Smith got a touchdown against the Cowboys, but I would not bet on that happening again this week. And you're, of course, starting Zach Ertz, despite a disappointing day this past week. He's still one of those locked-in top three, top five tight ends. And then finally, we talked about streaming the Philadelphia defense last week, um, especially if Tyron Smith was out for Dallas. And if you grabbed them and started them, you're happy. And I would just hold on to them. Start them again this week. I'd be very happy letting it ride with them at home against the Bears. Uh, give me the Eagles here. Next game up is going to be Tampa Bay Bucks at the Atlanta Falcons, who are playing tonight. Um, so on the Tampa Bay side, we've got Ryan Fitzpatrick, who just tore apart the Dolphins in a matchup of pretty much which bad team is worse. But uh, Fitzpatrick is still just a QB2 this week at Atlanta. And then Doug Martin was terrible again. He's really getting a ton of volume, and we would love that if he was on a better offense. But Martin's still just a low-end flex play until we see something happen with this offense. And then it doesn't help that Charles Stitt, excuse me, Charles Sims is stealing the passing work as well. So I'd expect the Bucks to trail here against the Falcons, um, and Martin is probably going to struggle again. But regardless, you're starting Mike Evans. Um, he's a solid wide receiver one. And then Deshaun Jackson, he's that more bust wide receiver three or flex play. Uh, but I would probably lean more towards bust against the Falcons. And then finally, sadly, Cameron Braid was a volume PPR tight end one with Jameis Winston. But since Ryan Fitzpatrick's taken over the, the quarterback job here while Winston is out, um, really, Fitzpatrick just doesn't look to break at all. Uh, downgrade him to a desperation tight end, too, until Jameis comes back. But depending on your roster situation and record, I would maybe hold on to Cameron Brate unless you have other serviceable options, just because assuming Jameis does return for the fantasy playoffs, Brate can still be a, a decent tight end one for you in PPR. As for O.J. Howard, he looked great, uh, had a few nice catches, including a touchdown, but he's really still in that category as a dynasty prospect right now. Um, Howard's going to uh, be very up and down this season. I, I would definitely start Howard over Brait uh, while Fitzpatrick is in as a desperation tight end, too, but he's far from reliable here. Now, on the Falcons' side, uh, you know, the Buccaneers defense has played much better the last few weeks, but I'm still not scared. Uh, Matt Ryan, excuse me, Matt Ryan has been playing a little bit nicer lately, and he'll be a decent QB one play. He's, he looks okay so far against Seattle here. Just got a pass interference call on a nicely thrown deep ball. 
Um, and then certainly Tevin Coleman will be a solid running back one if Devontae Freeman is out again in week 12 with that concussion. Um, if Freeman returns, that would obviously bump Coleman back down to a low end RB2. But uh, it sounds like Freeman is still a, a risky uh, proposition here to play next week, given that he did have that concussion in the preseason. And speaking of Tevin Coleman, he just scored a touchdown here, but we'll see what the flag is. But obviously, as the workhorse, Coleman is a solid RB1. Now, monitor Freeman's practice participation this week as he tries to get through that concussion protocol. And that was an offsides call by the defense, so that is a touchdown for Tevin Coleman, and you're going to certainly start him again against Tampa Bay if he's the lead back here. Of course, you're starting Julio Jones as a wide receiver one. Uh, Sanu, who was the target on that deep bomb, should be a solid wide receiver three. And then Austin Hooper is interesting. He should continue to be a nice high-end tight end two in fantasy. He's been getting more consistent looks from Matt Ryan lately. Um, if you need to start a tight end, you could do worse than Hooper. Give me the Falcons at home here against Tampa Bay. The next game up is Cleveland at Cincinnati. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser was predictably awful against possibly the best defense in the league right now this past week. Now, Cincinnati is no Jacksonville, but I would stay away from Kaiser again in fantasy this week. Um, and then the Bengals run defense isn't playing pretty well. Also, um, outside of one 100-yard game given up to Le'Veon Bell, uh, so really, I, I wouldn't. Uh, I would shy away from Isaiah Crowell here. Uh, Crowell just a desperation RB four, but this game again sets up pretty nicely for Duke Johnson. I'd continue to start Johnson as a low end RB two or flex in PPR. Uh, he's getting a ton of those checkdown targets and breaking a few of them open. And then I like Corey Coleman as well. Um, Coleman has been the lone bright spot of these wide receivers. Um, Coleman led the team in targets and receptions in his first game back from injury, and he should be a nice high-end flex play this week after finding success even against a very tough Jaguar secondary. Um, and again, we've talked about this before, but continue to stay away from those Browns tight ends. On the Cincinnati side of the ball here, Andy Dalton played well against a reeling Broncos defense, and I like him again as a high-end tight end, too, against Cleveland. Um, even though I would think Miles Garrett's probably going to get to him a couple times here, Dalton should be fine. Uh, and as should, as should Joe Mixon, really. Uh, even though this run game for the Bengals has struggled, Mixon has become that clear workhorse back. He's been getting the bulk of the carries and a couple catches per game as well. Um, Mixon should be a solid RB3 play here with upside. Of course, you're starting A.J. Green. And then finally, this should be another Tyler Croft week. Um, fire up Croft as a low-end tight end one against the Browns, uh, against whom even Mercedes Lewis scored a touchdown this past week. So fire up your tight ends against the Browns. Uh, and I will take the Bengals at home in this divisional matchup here. Another divisional game coming up next. Uh, we've got Tennessee at Indianapolis. So Marcus Mariota hasn't been great uh, for fantasy purposes, but Mariota is a solid QB one for me this week uh, against a poor Colts secondary who, who's missing Vontae Davis for the rest of the season. And then I also like DeMarco Murray as an RB2. Derrick Henry is a flex. Uh, this is a Colts defense that you can run on as well as throw on. And in fact, I like all the Titans this week and what, I mean, on paper should be a great matchup for them. We've got Corey Davis as a high-end flex play and Rashard Matthews as a solid wide receiver two play. 
I'm on Delaney Walker as a mid-level tight end one. Start them all if you've got them. On the Colts side, uh, you know, the Titans defense isn't exactly Fort Knox either. I don't mind Jacoby Brissett as a nice high-end QB2 streamer this week. And then uh, Frank Gore should be an okay flex play uh, as long as he's been, uh, you know, the quote-unquote lead back for the Colts. uh, He'll be fine. T.Y. Hilton has been extremely boomer bust this season, but I like him this week as a high-end wide receiver, too, against the Titans secondary that's given up plenty of big plays. Uh, In fact, they just gave up three touchdowns to Antonio Brown this past week. Um, T.Y. Hilton may not be Antonio Brown, but he's not that far off either. And then in terms of Dante Moncrief, he's been disappointing all year, his whole career, really. But against the Titans, uh, Moncrief is a desperation wide receiver four with some upside for the exact same reason. Uh, The secondary will give up some big plays. And then Jack Doyle, uh, he's been a tight end one in PPR, and I see no reason that he should not be again this week, given that he is still Brissett's uh, go-to reliable underneath target. Give me uh, the Titans on the road here. Next game we'll talk about is going to be Buffalo at Kansas City. Uh, so, wow, uh, Nathan Peterman in his first game, uh, really in the first half of the first game that he started, threw five interceptions. Uh, the Bills are still, quote-unquote, evaluating their quarterback situation, so we're not sure at this point on Monday night if Peterman or Tyrod Taylor is going to start against the Chiefs this week. Certainly, if Tyrod starts, I like him as a low-end QB1 option against the Chiefs secondary that's still giving up a lot of yards and plays. But if Peterman starts, uh, obviously avoid him in fantasy. Um, But either way, it sounds like, or excuse me, it seems like LaShawn McCoy is going to be usable in fantasy. Um, Even though Peterman started this past week, uh, he is still... Uh, you know, getting his, uh, he had a couple of nice long runs as well as a touchdown early in the game while Peterman was the starter. But that said, of course, McCoy's ceiling is going to be higher with Tyrod Taylor. So if you're a McCoy owner, hopefully, uh, you know, you pray that the Bills will come to their senses and have Tyrod Taylor start this week. But Travars Cadet did eat into McCoy's passing game workload, um, but that still remains to be seen, whether it's part of a new game plan or just because the game was so far out of hand at that point against the Chargers. Zay Jones, uh, he's pretty clearly the lead guy now with Kelvin Benjamin leaving that pass game with uh, a knee injury. Uh, It is unspecified, so wait for updates on that. But it sounds like he avoided a serious injury, so we'll see um, if he's able to go this week. If Benjamin is not, then Zay Jones would be a solid wide receiver three play. Um, And then if they, uh, excuse me, if Benjamin does play, that kind of muddies the waters. I would probably look to avoid both of those guys in that scenario. We've got Charles Clay at tight end, and he wasn't super involved, um, but he did catch a few catches. Uh, You know, Clay's just a tight end, too, for the time being until we see an uptick uh, for his targets here, um, regardless of quarterback. So, oh, my goodness. Was that a catch by Julio? Oh, man. Uh, If if you're not or if you haven't seen the Monday night game by the time you're listening to this, that was an amazing sideline catch by Julio Jones in double coverage, somehow managed to secure the ball and get both feet down. That was uh, uh, that's why you keep starting Julio Jones, even if he hasn't been getting the touchdowns this year. 
Um, Tevin Coleman with a nice little run now, but um, back to this Buffalo Kansas City game uh, on the Chiefs side, they were terrible coming out of their bye week. Alex Smith had an awful day, but I still like Smith as a low on QB one this week. I have to think that Andy Reid's going to examine this offense and make some changes where necessary. Um, we'll think about downgrading him if he underperforms again this week, but. Kareem Hunt was solid. Uh, if only they'd give him the ball more. You know, he's been running the ball well, and he's been involved in the passing game. Just hasn't been getting those touchdowns and hasn't been getting enough touches, in my opinion. Um, it was a good sign, though, that, uh, you know, he did get more work in that passing game with Sharkhandrick role usually, excuse me, Sharkhandrick West usually in that role. Um, so for me, uh, Hunt is still a low-end RB1, but with a very high ceiling this week uh, against a pretty terrible Bills run defense. He's going to be, again, in my top five to seven running backs in my rankings. Now, you're starting Kelsey, of course, and then Tyreek Hill was fine as well, despite the loss to the Giants. You're going to keep rolling Kelsey out there as a tight end one and Tyreek Hill as a wide receiver, too. Um, despite how terrible they've been lately, uh, I will take the Kansas City Chiefs at home. Now, the next game here, we've got Miami at New England. Uh, the Patriots' defense has actually seen market improvement the last few weeks. Uh, there's a 0% chance I'm starting Jay Cutler in fantasy, um, unless you're in some crazy deep uh, format or a two-quarterback league, something like that. Um, Damian Williams, I would think, is the better flex play here over Kenyon Drake on those two running backs, but I don't feel great about either. Um, really just prefer Williams because um, he's more game script uh, independent. Uh, he'll get those carries as well as a lot of those passes, um, even if the Miami Dolphins fall behind quickly here, which is what I am expecting. Um, wow, that should have been an interception for Matt Ryan, but the Seahawks just could not reel that one in. Um, but back to, uh, excuse me, back to Miami here. Um, Jarvis Landry, of course, that reliable high end wide receiver too, and pretty much any matchup. Uh, but for Devontae Parker, it seems he's kind of lost that spark that he had early on in the season. Um, I don't know what exactly it is, but he fades back into that flex mix along with Kenny flex mix. Uh, that, that should be a, a TM, a trademarked quote, but um, I think Parker, along with Kenny Stills, both just flex plays this week uh, until we see Parker really kind of reestablish some sort of connection with Jay Cutler. Julius Thomas has actually been an okay tight end, too, since that Oakland game. Um, he's been an unexciting option, but he's been getting consistent work, much like an Eric Ebron. Uh, you know, start Julius Thomas if you need to, especially in a game where I expect a decent amount of garbage time for this Dolphins offense. Um, does have some upside here as a tight end to play. On the Patriots side, you're starting pretty much everybody against the Dolphins. Uh, Brady's a top QB one. Brandon Cooks is a decent wide receiver one. And then we'll see how Chris Hogan's shoulder is feeling, but it sounds like Hogan is still doubtful for this week. Uh, on the off chance that he plays, Hogan would be a wide receiver too. But assuming that he's going to be out again, we talked about Danny, excuse me, Danny Amendola as a flex play last week, and he certainly did, uh, or more than, uh, you know, it, he exceeded those expectations. Uh, and then Amendola will be a flex play again this week. Uh, the really, only the real concern here is just uh, if it's going to be another blowout by halftime. Gronk was quiet against the Raiders in Mexico, but you're starting him. 
And then as for the running backs, Rex Burkhead got the start, but he fumbled and just didn't see much action for the rest of the game. Um, I do think he'll get another shot here against Miami. Hopefully he doesn't fumble again, but he and Deion Lewis are probably the 1A and 1B right now, um, both high in RB3 plays. And then James White, just a low-end flex play in a game where I really don't think they're going to need him a ton. Uh, the Patriots are going to be likely playing with a lead for most of this game here. And, of course, uh, not even a question. Give me New England at home. By the way, uh, great one-handed touchdown catch by Mohamed Sanu. We talked about him a few weeks ago as a wide receiver three or flex that should be owned in pretty much all leagues, and that is exactly why. Next game up is going to be Carolina at the Jets. Uh, big upgrade for Cam Newton this week. Exciting news. Uh, he's back in the top five quarterbacks, uh, solidified by Greg Olson practicing today and likely to play this week. Um, I still don't love Jonathan Stewart, but I'd expect a few more carries in a game that they're going to control. So he's a decent flex play. And then, of course, you're starting Christian McCaffrey regardless of the high end RB2 just because of how involved he is in the passing game. Um, we'll certainly monitor, though, if anything changes there with Olsen coming back. Devin Funches should be a decent low end wide receiver, too. And then, of course, if Greg Olsen does indeed play this week, as he is expected to, um, even though he might be limited his first game back, uh, you know, I'm starting him unless you've got one of those reliable top five tight ends already. On the Jets side here, don't love Josh McCown. I'm expecting some turnovers with this Carolina defense really getting to him with the pass rush, but I don't mind starting Robbie Anderson and Austin Sperian Jenkins. Uh, the Carolina defense, uh, their strength really lies in the defensive line, not so much the secondary. Um, and there should be some garbage time at play in this game where I would think Carolina would be a big Robbie Anderson, he'll be a decent low-end flex with Austin Safarian Jenkins as a high-end tight end, too. Um, you know, Safarian Jenkins is still one of those top options in the passing game. And reminder, he got those two touchdowns overturned by officiating, and really, uh, he's been very solid. And then in the running backs, Matt Forte is still struggling with that, uh, excuse me, that knee soreness. Um, he'll be questionable for this week, uh, certainly monitor his practice participation, but if Forte plays, um, he should be a low-end RB2. And then I would have Bilal Powell as a flex in that situation. And then if Forte is out again, um, even though Elijah McGuire got worked in a lot more a couple weeks back with him out, I would still prefer Powell for now. He'd be a high-end RB3 with upside um, in that case. But I will take Carolina on the road here. The next game up, uh, one of our 4 p.m. games is going to be New Orleans at the Rams. Uh, you're starting your normal guys. Breeze is a low-end QB1. Um, we'll see if he needs to throw a little bit now with their pass rush suffering with Okafor out for the season. Um, but Lattimore is expected to be back from that minor ankle injury. Of course, you're starting Michael Thomas and both of the running backs. And then Ted Ginn was great uh, against Washington. I would expect another relatively high-scoring game here uh, against the Rams. So fire up Ginn as a solid wide receiver three with upside. Uh, the only guy I would avoid maybe is Kobe Fleener. He might still have a nice day, but, you know, he's been so unreliable and very boomer bust. He was boom this last game, but probably going to go back to being a bust here as a tight end, too. Uh, but certainly he has, you know, he's in that same range as Julius Thomas and 
and guys like Eric Ebron, you're hoping for a touchdown somehow. So uh, really, he's a desperation guy, and I would probably take both of those other two tight ends I just mentioned over Fleener. Um, but certainly there's a little bit upside. So if you want to take a shot on him in a deeper league or in DFS lineups, uh, he does have uh, some ceiling here. On the Rams side, Jared Goff was not so hot in Minnesota last week, but I like Goff as a low on QB1 at home against the Saints and what, like I said, should be a shootout. Uh, of course, you're starting Todd Gurley. And luckily for Robert Woods, it sounds like he avoided serious injury with his shoulder. Uh, he left the game against the Vikings. So Woods is questionable this week. We'll see how he does in practice, but he'd be a low-end wide receiver, too, if he plays. Cooper Cup doesn't have a, a great, or excuse me, didn't have a great day uh, visiting Minnesota. He had a bad drop, and he had a fumble on, like, the two-yard line after a catch. But, again, these things happen, and that could have easily been a touchdown if, uh, if his, you know, arm had been slightly higher or lower. Um Definitely still very much in play as a flex option. I, I still like Cooper Cup. And then Sammy Watkins, if Robert Woods is out, does get an upgrade here. Right now, he's just that boomer bust wide receiver four. But if Woods is out, then Watkins becomes a high-end flex play. Uh, if he steps into those, um, excuse me, if he steps into those touches that Woods is playing, uh, that's a lot of snaps and the targets should come along with them. Um, he'll he'll be a decent DFS option as well if Woods is out. And then finally, we've talked about the Rams Titans before. This is still very much a split, and I would definitely stay away here. This was probably the toughest pick of the week for me. Uh, I think this game is going to be very exciting, very good offenses facing off against each other. I will take the Rams at home, though, by a very slight margin, I think. And then the next game here, uh, not probably not so exciting. Uh, we've got Seattle at San Francisco. Of course, you're starting Russell Wilson. Um, you're starting Doug Baldwin as a wide receiver one. Jimmy Graham as a, one of those top tight end options. And I guess if you're desperate, Eddie Lacy and Thomas Rawls, uh, you know, they both have some upside if Seattle dominates this game. Um, as does Jarek, uh, excuse me, J.D. McKissick. Um, we'll see how involved he is tonight in both the run game and passing game. He's been pretty quiet so far. Um, someone to monitor, not necessarily add just yet, but certainly has that PPR upside. And then Paul Richardson and Tyler Lockett, both those high upside wide receiver fours, but certainly low or excuse me high upside uh, wide receiver fours with ceiling but also low floor um i mean san francisco's secondary is still a major problem i would probably take paul richardson still over tyler lockett if i had to pick one of them on the san francisco side here we're not sure if cj bethard or jimmy grapple is going to be starting yet but either way, I think Carlos Hyde should be a nice volume play as an RB2. He's been very involved in the run game and the passing game, so that keeps his floor relatively high in PPR. And then I'm not sure I'd really want to start anybody else on the Niners, even with a lot of injuries. The Seahawks' defense is still pretty solid. The only guy I'd maybe consider is Marquise Goodwin as a desperation wide receiver for, but that's probably about it here. Uh, give me the Seahawks pretty easily, uh, even though they're at San Francisco. And then we've got Jacksonville at Arizona next. Uh, Blake Bortles, his streak of three games of 16 or more fantasy points came to a quick end against Cleveland. 
Bortles is a risk-reward QB, too, if you feel lucky against Arizona. They've given up some big games to quarterbacks, but I'm probably going to avoid Bortles here. Um, and then Marquise Lee likewise struggled against Cleveland. He'll be an okay flex play. And then D.D. Westbrook fell way short of his own prediction that he'd have uh, 200 receiving yards in this first game. But I'd prefer him as a desperation wide receiver four over, say, you know, Mar- Marquise Goodwin, who we just talked about. And then we'll see about Alan Hearns with his ankle injury, but it doesn't look great for him being that he was ruled out early last week. He may miss some more time here, but if Hearns were to play, he'd be a wide receiver for as well. And I'd probably still prefer Westbrook over Hearns um, because Westbrook has more upside on the Cardinals side. Blaine Gabbert was great against Houston and uh, you know, he's getting the start again. Uh, His head coach already announced, but in fantasy, I'm benching him. Uh, This is a vicious Jaguars defense. And we also heard today that Andre Ellington, who was inactive this past week is now released. Uh, But really this entire run game is still struggling. Adrian Peterson is a flex play here. Uh, Kerwin Williams is probably the backup now, but you're not starting him. Uh, Certainly David Johnson, another name to keep track of if he's still out there on your waiver wire. And then John Brown is also out with turf toe, but you really weren't starting him anyway. The only wide receiver here of note is Larry Fitzgerald, but even though he's been doing great lately, I have Fitzgerald just as a mid-level QB, or excuse me, not QB2, wide receiver too, um, in what should be a very tough matchup against these Jacksonville uh, cornerbacks. Um, Ricky Seals-Jones, uh, he's back from the dead, uh, got two touchdowns, while Jermaine Gresham, the, the former starter, or I guess still is starter for the Cardinals at tight end, uh, I, I don't even know what to say about that. Uh, things like that are the exact reasons that you can project and predict and analyze everything in the, in the NFL and for fantasy, but uh, nothing is ever a sure thing. There's always going to be random surprises like this and like those that one three-touchdown game for Mercedes Lewis. I, I guess if you've been forced to start Jermaine Gresham, I would still start him over Seals Jones of those Cardinals tight ends. But really, this is a situation to avoid if you can help it here. Um, give me Jacksonville on the road here. I think that defense is is pretty much going to get them a playoff berth. And then we've got Denver and Oakland. Lots of uh, divisional games this week. Uh, So the Broncos this morning, it was announced that they fired offensive coordinator Mike McCoy. They promote, excuse me, they promoted quarterbacks coach Bill Musgrave to be the offensive coordinator against his former team this week. So can you say Bill Musgrave revenge week? (laughs) But in all seriousness, I'm not sure I understand this move, much like when the Bills made the decision to bench Tyrod Taylor. You know, sometimes the problem can be the coaching and not on the quarterback. Uh, A good example of this would be Jared Goff's success this year with Sean McVay versus his immense suckitude with Jeff Fisher out last year. But, you know, in in Denver's case, I would think, uh, you know, their defense hasn't played well to help establish a, a game script to open up the run game. And then Trevor Simeon and Brock Osweiler are, are, neither of them are really MVP candidates. So, you know, I guess Osweiler's a mid-level QB two. He's got some upside and what should be an okay matchup, but I just don't know how much you could trust him. 
CJ Anderson and Devontae Booker split carries basically 50-50. So both of these guys just flex plays, though Anderson did get the touchdown, so I would probably lean towards him if you had to pick one. And then it also came out that the Broncos have actually been shopping around Demarius Thomas, that he hasn't been explosive or very good with his new vegan diet. So, I mean, for fantasy, he's been okay. I, I guess he's just a low-end wide receiver, too, here, still getting plenty of targets from Brock Osweiler. I don't think the change from McCoy to Musgrave at offensive coordinator would really change his target volume. But, you know, he's he hasn't really scored a ton of touchdowns this, uh, this year, and I would think his PPR floor is safe, though. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders, not so much. Uh, he really didn't do well after a hot game a couple weeks back. And then... It'll just be a flex play for me. Certainly both Demarius and Sanders have upside against this Oakland secondary that just got burned by Tom Brady. But again, that was Tom Brady, and this would require Brock Osweiler to make some accurate reads and some good throws. So we'll see if that can actually happen. Of course, uh, Denver is no longer the feared defense that it used to be either, but this Oakland offense has also been stagnant for most of this season. Marshawn Lynch, just a flex play. He ran well against New England. Uh, and even though the Broncos' run defense is still pretty decent, uh, Lynch is just splitting so many carries and touches with those other running backs in the backfield. And then as for the wide receivers, both Michael Crabtree and Amari Cooper are high-end wide receiver threes for me this week. Uh, they've got some high upside in this game, but they also have some low floors. And then Jared Cook, uh, once again, we see his inconsistency, just two catches for 26 yards against the Patriots after a few good games in a row. Uh, Cook should still be a big part of the offense, especially with Denver weaker against tight ends here, but we'll see. I mean, even a quote-unquote good matchup, Cook is just a boom or bust tight end, too, for me this week. This is another one of those games that was uh, pretty tough to decide here, but I will lean towards taking Denver on the road. Sunday night football. We've got Green Bay at Pittsburgh. Uh, it was a pretty rough day for Packers fans last week, and honestly, I'm not sure if I'd expect much better from Hundley this week at Pittsburgh. Uh, certainly avoid him again in this fantasy matchup. Uh, Mar Marcus Mariota just got destroyed by this Pittsburgh defense. Um, and then Jamal Williams got a lot of work with Ty Montgomery out. Um, we'll see if Montgomery can play with that rib injury, uh, monitor his practice status this week. But if both of these guys play, Montgomery would probably be the preferred flex. They do like him in the passing game. But if Montgomery is out again, then Jamal Williams should be a mid-level RB3, maybe even a low-end RB2, just purely on volume. He got a lot of carries and catches uh, with him being pretty much the only option when Montgomery was out this past week. That said, I don't think things are going to go super well for the Packers this week. Uh, uh, you know, and that, that goes for the wide receivers as well. You really can't start anyone here except Devontae Adam. Uh, he's been the one guy who hasn't struggled a ton. Uh, he looks like he's built some good chemistry with Brett Hundley. He's getting a heavy share of the targets here. Uh, Devontae Adams should be a high-end wide receiver three with upside, and you're probably going to bench Jordy and Cobb and whoever else you got on that offense. On the Steelers' side, Big Ben should be all right in another primetime matchup at home. He's a low on QB1. Uh, you're starting Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown. 
And then Juju should be a nice low-end wide receiver to play as well. Uh, we'll see about Vance McDonald's ankle injury, but neither Pittsburgh tight end is very reliable here. Um, Jesse James would be a desperation tight end, too, if McDonald is out again. Did get that play-action touchdown on the goal line last week. And then Martavis Bryant, just a desperation wide receiver four. He's always got that touchdown upside, but he and Ben have yet to connect on a long bond this year. I don't know if this will be the week. We'll see. I will definitely be taking Pittsburgh at home. And then finally, we've got the Monday night matchup. We've got Houston at Baltimore. Lamar Miller has been solid, but he's just a flex play for me, despite the fact that Dante Foreman is now out with an Achilles injury. I just don't think this is a very good matchup for Miller. Baltimore's run defense and pass defense have both been very good. Um, and then with Tom Savage here, just I don't know realistically what kind of upside we're looking at here. I do expect them to trail and to lose this game. But, you know, you're starting DeAndre Hopkins regardless. Uh, I keep betting against him uh, with Los, uh, and uh, I, you know, he keeps proving me wrong. So, uh, Hopkins got the best of Patrick Peterson on a couple of plays, and he's a wide receiver one, regardless of matchup here. And then, really, that concludes our list of startable Houston players this week. Uh, Will Fuller's still questionable with that rib injury, but even if he were to play just a desperation wide receiver four, um, I really don't like this matchup for them at all against Baltimore. Uh, the only guys that would be starting are Hopkins and Miller. On the Ravens' side, you haven't been starting Joe Flacco, hopefully, if you can help it, but the Texans are a nice matchup. Their secondary is somewhat depleted, and, you know, this Baltimore offense has come alive a little bit uh, in the passing game now that Danny Woodhead is back healthy from that hamstring injury. Flacco is actually a decent streaming QB2 this week, uh, even though, you know, again, he hasn't been great. Uh, I, I think there is opportunity here. And then even though Danny Woodhead only ran the ball once this past game, he was second on the team already in targets with six. Uh, Woodhead will be usable flex play with upside and PPR. But don't forget about Alex Hollins either. He's got a somewhat tough run matchup, but he's also in flex consideration as that goal line and early down pounder for this team right now. Um, there's certainly value for that. Got a touchdown last week and could have another one this week. And then Jeremy Macklin and Mike Wallace, both in that flex consideration as well. I would prefer Macklin, despite Wallace's touchdown last week. Um, and then finally, uh, goodbye for Ben Watson. He's no longer a startable tight end, two in PPR with Woodhead returning and stealing those short targets that Watson saw a few of. Um, he can be benched or dropped if you're relying on him, even in a deeper league. Uh, definitely, I will take Baltimore at home in what should be another great matchup. And speaking of Baltimore, uh, if you added their defense last week against Green Bay, uh, good job. Uh, keep keep playing them. Uh, just like I said with Philly, this is a second good matchup in a row for this defense. So there are no teams on by this week. Um, so we are going to talk about a few different streaming options here. First off, we've got Jacoby Brissett against Tennessee, 17% owned. This should be a shootout uh, and or have some garbage time with Tennessee's secondary struggling here. It should be a decent game for Brissett. Case Keenum at Detroit, 40% owned. He's been playing well with Stephon Diggs back healthy from that groin injury, and this Minnesota offense is clicking right now. We've got Andy Dalton against Cleveland, 52% owned. Uh, the Browns are a decent matchup if Dalton can avoid the turnovers and the sacks here. 
Joe Flacco against Houston, 14% owned. Again, if you're desperate, the Texans giving up a ton of points, quarterbacks, and like I said, that offense is clicking a little bit with Woodhead and Wallace back healthy. At the tight end position, we've got Tyler Croft against Cleveland, 45% owned. This is a great matchup for tight ends, and he's still the number two target here behind A.J. Green. We've got Austin Safarian Jenkins, 58% owned. He's still the number one or number two target in that Jets offense, even if he was dropped during their bye week. Uh, definitely worth a pickup here if you need help at the tight end position. Vernon Davis uh, against the Giants, 70% owned. Uh, he's added in most leagues now, but again, uh, another great matchup for the tight end position, uh, regardless of whether Jordan Reed plays. At the defenses, we've talked about a couple of these already. Um, Philadelphia against Chicago, 74% owned, but Again, the Eagles should be owned in general, but especially against the Bears this week. Uh, we've got Kansas City against Buffalo, 93% owned already, so likely not available, but they would be a top defensive play this week if they're out there in your league, and then Nathan Peterman starts again for the, or excuse me, not the Buccaneers, the Bills. Baltimore, we just talked about against Houston, 82% owned. Again, they're gone in many leagues, but another great matchup against another backup quarterback like they just faced in Brett Hundley. New England against Miami, only 58% owned. This Patriots defense is coming together, and now they get Jay Cutler. Cincinnati against Cleveland, 41% owned. They've been pretty solid on defense, and really they were yards away from a pick six on Brock Osweiler. They just got run down, and now they get Deshaun Kaiser, so it should be another decent week to stream that. We've got Jameis Winston with that shoulder sprain still out this week. Um, Aaron Rodgers with that broken collarbone. Week 15 is the earliest that he could return. Jacoby Brissett, he is in concussion protocol, but this was before their bye week, and he should be able to pass. He is listed as likely to play this week. At the running back position, we've got David Johnson coming back soon from that wrist injury. He already has the cast off. Uh, keep uh, he's probably still week to week at this point, but certainly uh, keep your eye out for updates on his health. Chris Thompson, so good this year, but fractured fibula. He's done for the season now. Um, you've got Dante Foreman also done for the season with a torn Achilles. Ty Montgomery uh, with that rib injury. He's questionable for this week. Keep seeing if he's going to practice. And then we've got Devontae Freeman with that concussion. He's going to be questionable for week 12. And then Matt Forte with the knee swelling, also going to be questionable for week 12. These are guys where you just want to keep track of the practice reports as the week progresses. At the wide receiver position, we've got Robert Woods with that shoulder injury. Sounds like he avoided anything serious, but certainly still awaiting info on that. We've got Calvin Benjamin with a knee sprain. Uh, he left that game against the Chargers, but we are also awaiting info on that as well. Um, he's going to be questionable for this week. Sterling Shepard with that migraine issue, but not concussion-related. Uh, he should be likely to play this week. And then Terrell Pryor had that ankle surgery today. He's done for the rest of the season. But again, you weren't hopefully, uh, or at least you hopefully weren't relying on him anyway in fantasy. At the tight end position, we've got Jordan Reed with that hamstring injury, questionable for week 12. Uh, it is a short week again as they play on Thursday, so keep track of that. And then Greg Olson with that fractured foot, practice today finally. Uh, he's likely to play this week, so go grab him if he's out there. 
And speaking of which, uh, that brings us to our waiver wire ads at the quarterback position. We always talk about Aaron Rodgers, 50% or excuse me, 54% owned. Uh, we're going to keep listing Rodgers here. Uh, he could return week 15. If you've locked up a fantasy playoff berth already, he's certainly worth a look. And then at the running backs, the priorities this week, Samaj P. Ryan, 35% owned. We talked about him already last week. Hopefully you already added him. Um, he had RB2 upside on last week's show, and now we're going to say he has RB1 upside with Chris Thompson out. Must, must add to my JP Ryan. Latavius Murray, not sure why he's out in a lot of leagues. He's actually over 50% owned already at 61%, but we wanted to bring him up anyway. Murray is an RB2 or a high-end flex with a lot of upside. As long as the Vikings keep playing in those close games or playing with a lead, Murray's going to get a lot of goal line opportunities. We've got Danny Woodhead, 40, or excuse me, 49% owned. Uh, Woodhead was utilized immediately as that pass catching back in his first game, returning uh, six targets already in one game. So he's a flex play in PPR with RB2 upside any given week. Alex Collins, 67% owned as the other half of that backfield. Like we said, Woodhead is back, but Collins is still being used as that early down back and at the goal line. And then Orleans Darkwa, 71% owned already. But if he's out there and you need help at running back, the Giants, if they can stay competitive and start actually trying again as a team, uh, Darkwa is an RB2 based on the volume that he's been getting. And then finally, if you're desperate, Damian Williams, 35% owned. Miami's a train wreck here, but he's the lead back, and he's going to catch a lot of passes when they're trailing. And that should be, I would think, a lot of games. At the wide receiver position, we've got Jameson Crowder, 72% owned. Uh, he's a wide receiver, too, along with Josh Doxson in a good offense. Uh, he's getting that target volume again from Kirk Cousins, and the offensive line is healthy, so they have time to get the ball downfield. Uh, the exact same argument goes for Josh Doxson, only 28% owned. Literally what I said about Crowder, but much more widely available in different leagues. We've got Corey Davis, 50% owned. Uh, it hasn't really clicked just yet between him and Marcus Mariota, but again, this is a rookie with wide receiver two upside uh, if he can become one of those dangerous passing game weapons for Mariota. We've got Jeremy Macklin at 67% owned. If he's out there, the Ravens pass offense, functional again with a healthy Danny Woodhead back. And then speaking of Danny's, we've got Danny Amendola, 49%. We saw his upside this past week against the Raiders. Um, he'll just be a flex play, still a very low floor every week, but also a very high ceiling in this Patriots offense as long as Chris Hogan is out. At the tight end position, uh, we've got Greg Olson, 72% owned. Probably a little bit too late, uh, but if you know he's available in your league, go at him. <laughs> he's a tight end one when healthy. Austin Sperry and Jenkins, 58% owned. Um, he's the tight end 14 on the season, despite missing the first two weeks due to suspension. And he did get screwed out of those two tight ends by bad officiating calls. So that's going to do it for our waiver wire section this week. Um, you know, there's still a little bit of time if you're in contention. Uh, there's certainly a lot of options on the waiver wire, as we just discussed, at all the positions, uh, especially running back and at tight end. So with that in mind, uh, if you have any more specific questions for your teams or leagues, as always, you can reach us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. You can reach Los at 
FFA underscore LOS. That's L-O-S. And we've got our producer, Dan, at, F at FFA underscore Dan. So with that in mind, uh, we hope you will subscribe uh, on whatever platform is easiest for you. Uh, of course, we're on iTunes, we're on SoundCloud, we're on Google Play, we're on Stitcher. Uh, however you want to listen, we're out there for you. And uh, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It's, uh, it's the beginning of the holiday season. Fill up on pie, and hopefully your players will score you lots of fantasy points this Thursday. As always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts.